My name is Jamie Atkinson, founder of podcastclosing.com, and this show is built for six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts who are looking to grow and scale their customer acquisition using that show. If you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast and you want to get featured on this show to talk about your own podcast journey, go to top100interview.com. Now over to your glamorous host, Brittany Chaterbock, and don't forget to subscribe for daily interview content. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. It's Basha here. Today we have a super exciting guest, Hirsch Ripun. He is the owner of Yes Brand, a brand storytelling agency operating on one simple principle, selling the truth. He's also the host of the Yes Brand and Truth Tastes Funny podcast. Thank you so much for coming on, Hirsch. How's it going? My pleasure, Basha. Good, good. Uh, you know, it's a good day. It's It's been a long week, but it's, it's fun to be with you. It's a pleasure to have you. I, I know. Trust me, I get it. Long weeks. So happy that it's Friday. But I'm really excited to interview you. I feel like we're going to have some great conversations. We'll cover what's working, your podcasts, your challenges, and your goals. And I'm sure within that conversation alone, we'll have some great takeaways. Before we jump in, do you mind telling us a bit about your story and where you are today? Um, well, I uh, I started out in um, in stand-up comedy as a as a young man in my 20s in New York, and I was going to uh, to film school, and I started out doing stand-up comedy, um, and then kind of through happenstance, I uh, took a course in advertising, ended up working in the advertising business. And both kind of creative careers have kind of uh, uh, evolved in unexpected ways to where um, I finally realized I wanted to uh, marry comedy and advertising or branding in some way, because I'd been doing it for my clients all my life. I've been talking about people that I like and admire. So I was doing PR, I've done creative direction, I've directed, I've written, I've written movies. So all these all these things, the, the through line seems to be honesty and comedy, those two things working together. And that that has just synthesized to the, you know, to the max over the last year with these podcasts, because as different as they are, Truth Tastes Funny, which is about surviving and thriving in a crazy world. And Yes Brand, which is about uh, ways to overcome the kind of, you know, sameness that a lot of brands are are facing. You know, how do they stand out? How does their messaging stand out? But how do you make it so completely honest and true that you form a relationship with the, with the consumer? Um, they both are rooted in having a laugh, not taking things too seriously, and in being really truthful about yourself and your brand. That is awesome. I love the concept. So Thank you. I'm sure, I'm sure within this industry, you see a lot of very similar companies, a lot of people doing very similar things. Let's talk a little bit about the sea of sameness. How do you, how do you stick out from the rest? Yeah. So, so the, so the sea of, of sameness thing is you know, everything that I do is based on the the input that I get from the brands and people and entrepreneurs that I work with. They come to me with a problem or a concern or a challenge. And a lot of what I hear is, why does our website, you know, content sound the same as everybody else? We're, we feel like we're special. We feel like we're doing things. We're trying to say it, but we get lost in this, what I call a sea of sameness. And Part of it is that I think we look too much to other people's branding 
to inspire our own. And then we end up copying it inadvertently or thinking that that's better than ours. They're doing well. So what they're saying about their self must be the right thing. The way to combat it is to spend a lot of serious exploration, getting to know yourself and almost, and I call what I do sometimes message therapy um, because it is, it is like a therapist. I'm listening to them talk about their life and their belief systems and their ethos and their challenges and really getting into it the way you would with a, with a therapist um, and then thinking, okay, now I get who you are and I get your voice. You're missing out on this opportunity to, and sometimes we're afraid. Sometimes they're just afraid. They're afraid to put their, uh, you know, their ass on the line, so to speak. You know, they're like, they're a little bit uh, reluctant. And mm -hmm. if you want to break out, it's not about just being clever. I have the best tagline. I have the best colors on my branding. I have the best logo. All those things are great tools, but you have to know yourself so well that when the when the consumer sees your stuff, they're like, oh, wow, I totally get, I get who that is. I get that. And that's what makes them want to do business with you or want to buy your product is they, they get you. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you, you bring that up because it's, you're right. It can be so hard to trust yourself and trust who you are as a person when there's nobody else out there like you and you have no idea how the idea is going to land. And it's so much easier to copy somebody else's thing because you know that it's already working. I would love to know what is the, what's the best result that you've gotten from, what's your guess, I guess your best like, case study that you've gotten for a client who was in a similar there, situation. There are a couple and they're and they're both in they're both actually in footwear which is interesting cuz it's it's not like i only work with footwear clients but i did for a stretch of time okay. uh and you know that's how it is you get known for something you do something with one brand another brand in the same category will call you so i had worked for several years with uh, a brand called bearpaw uh boots bearpaw footwear which is a um now it's an international brand at the time yeah. it was you know i think they were doing about you know 40 million dollars a year that's good you know it's a real brand it's a boot brand but they had trouble distinguishing themselves from their nearest competitor and they had they were competing with a a brand that was you know very very kind of elitist and stuffy and like beautiful on the beach type of stuff and mm -hmm. um and the and the way that the way that I had them break out was to say, okay, you knowing meeting with the owner, meeting with the, with the team, meeting with the designers, you know, this wasn't like an overnight revelation doing a shoot with them. I, I was learning that they, they have a real sense of humor. They're really grant grounded. They really have a feel for like the soccer mom uh, dynamic and the, and the working moms of the world. And they are a very accessible human group of of shoemakers and i and i did i proposed things that would go with that a funny web series going to sundance and doing a gifting suite at sundance and then um you know uh inviting celebrities and with who would be fun and come on the videos and do stuff you know 
everything that was about accessibility and no pretense. That was the opposite of the other brand they were competing with. And, you know, and now you move ahead, they're multi hundred, hundreds of million dollars a year brand mm -hmm. and all over the world and did corner that kind of that market. And so that was just really gratifying because I could see in real time, my team and I, what the impact of our of our shift in um, perception was. And then another brand called Mephisto, which is a French uh, brand, kind of a legacy brand. I mean, it's been around for a long, long time, but is known as like a, like a, like a, uh, you know, like a comfort shoe brand, they call it, you know, they're, they're not known for the flash. They're known, like, I remember the president of the brand telling me, oh, you see that, you see that gentleman over there? He's about 80 years old and he's, you know, wearing our shoes. And he goes, that's our, that's like our, our, our core customer is an older man, the older woman that it was wearing it for comfort so they can walk. And we have this, all these great styles from the seventies that we want to bring back. And we want to bring it back to a new, to a new audience. We don't know how to, how to reach that audience. If they look up the brand, they're going to think it's an old timers brand. And, and the, the mm -hmm. tagline that I came up with was Mephisto walks because it was like, you know, walking the walk, it sounded like Mephisto rocks. I could imagine like really agile young people, maybe parkour, you know, putting the shoes on the people that they want to see them on and seeing that it looks good, that it works. If you put the shoes on people and it doesn't look right, it doesn't matter what your tagline is. But I knew that this line and the people who were behind it had that energy, that youthful energy and were in touch with those so the comedy wouldn't wouldn't really work it had nothing to do with comedy you know the the soccer mom thing has nothing to do with it it's not, nothing like that it was a rock and roll you know retro kind of to, vibe yeah rock and roll retro 25 to to 35 you know uh hit and that and we did a whole thing in LA um, who walks in LA, like the whole idea of everybody, because LA was the perfect place to launch this. So yeah. we launched in LA, we did a pop-up um, and it, and it's, it's, you know, a brand that people would actually buy at that age. And that's who they started selling to. And mind you, wasn't even their biggest market, you know, they're, they're, they still have huge, they're, you know, really, really big brand globally, but, th but this particular market, they couldn't crack. And so that's where I, I started to feel like, yeah, you know, people kind of come to me when they can't crack a certain level that they want to go to. And that's where I came up with this plateau fever concept, which is you get to a certain place, you may well be successful, but you're not satisfied and you're not, you're not getting over a hump. Could be a division of your company that needs something special, or it could be your entire uh, you know, product that you're selling or yourself, your, mm -hmm. you know, if you're a, an entrepreneur or a B2B or something like that, um, you know, something's missing, some, some key ingredient that really grabs your intended audience. So how do you go about breaking this plateau fever? So the, the thing with breaking the plateau fever, again, a lot of it comes down to courage. Like if, if, you ask a, a coach, you know, what, what's the thing that you need most from your, 
from your client for them to succeed. And they'll say coachability, you know, because if someone doesn't take your advice and not every idea is like golden right out of the, you know, shoot. But if they're, if they're willing to do new things and go with something that they're not sure about, so they have a bad feeling, they're just not sure, but they're willing to try and it's bold and they know it's bold and they know that's why it scares them, but it's also completely true to their personality. So you're not asking a vegan company to go do a barbecue with, you know, right. do it, do it, do it, do pork ribs. You're asking them to dive deeper into their own values and, but really in a way that is just, a, you know, there's no, I, I accept that there's really no such thing as originality. Like it just is too much to try to, you know, be original for its own sake, but there's mm-hmm. trying something you haven't tried before and doing something in a way that no one else who does what you do has done before. And I think that's what it is. So the plateau thing has to be a shakeup. You have to shake things up and you have to open your mind and you have to try. I say you have to try three things. So in other words, every campaign that I do on this level would have three components. It doesn't mean three different campaigns. It means we're going to have three components. We're going to go into a town you've never been in before, a market you you haven't cracked yet. We're going to do something that you haven't done, whether it's uh, commercial or whether it's experiential, an event or something like that. And we're going to do an online thing that may be a contest or so it could be anything. It could be something I haven't you know, ever even thought of, but it, but I'm sure it exists. Like we did with Mephisto because um, it was Mephisto walks. We did treadmills that were against the green screen and the person would put the Mephistos on VIPs would put the Mephistos on and walk on the treadmill and they would do it because it was fun. The background was Vegas, the background, you know, the background that was supered in was Vegas or it was Hollywood or it was Miami or it was Mexico. And, you know, and they had fun doing it, but they got to put the shoes on because that's a thing. Once you put the shoes on, you're halfway like to the fan, the fan, they're almost halfway a fan at that point. So you know, who would have thought of that? But it went with with the walking shoe idea. So I didn't change it from a walking shoe to a to right. a basketball shoe. We just evolved it from nah, walking, uh, comfort to what do you do? What what how do you walk? You you can walk too. You just don't walk like, you know, like it's not important. You walk and you live and you jump and run and flip and play. That is really cool. That is really cool. So basically the whole key to breaking the plateau fever is doing something crazy that you have not done before that you haven't thought of and just try it. Just Just try try it. 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 I love it. What is something that you wish you had known earlier that you know now? Um, well, I don't know that I, that I didn't. Okay. Well, yeah. What I wish I had known is that the idea of destiny may be too uh, limiting for us. In other words, we could have a very radical vision of what we want to be, 
But that doesn't mean that we should be so uh, myopic that we focus only on that. In other words, I could say, I want to be a clown that goes into space. It's a very specific goal. But, you know, to think that being a clown who goes into space is my destiny is limiting, right? So saying, so looking at what, what is it real? Where's it really coming from? So I wish I had done some of the self-examination that I've done over the, you know, last decade that I, that I did, you know, I wish I had done it when I were, when I was younger and I wish I had been bolder when I was younger. And so uh, I think those two things like opening my mind more and being more bold would have possibly uh, accelerated the, the output that I, that I've had, but I, I wouldn't change it now. Cause it's like, you don't want to change anything like I'm not, I wouldn't change anything now, but I wish I yeah. had known that sooner. Of course, of course. I mean, I, I try to live my life in a very similar way, just being open to, I have my goals, but I also am open to any other possibilities and any other opportunity this, opportunities, right? Friday, I'm yeah. ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> any other opportunities that come my way. Excellent. I think just yeah. being open and having that self-awareness and that introspection, the ability to be introspective and open to different possibilities is, is crucial as well yeah. to your success and getting past that plateau. That's, yeah. What is your focus going to be for 2023? Uh, the big one is finishing my book. Um, the, the, yeah, the big one is finishing my book because I've written in every other medium. It's, it's one thing to write a book as a business person and know that you have, you have something to share, but not mm-hmm. really be a writer. And then you have to figure out how to take what you know and put it into a book. And you may be nervous. I'm like, there's a different kind of nervous because I've written it in, in virtually every other medium that that there is. And I'm, but I've never written a book, uh, fiction or otherwise. I've written short stories that were fiction, but this is nonfiction. It's part memoir. It's like semi semi memoir and 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 part. Uh, kind of an instructive book on messaging and branding from my point of view. Um, and uh, and I hope it will, I, I honestly hope it will be really impactful because um, I think that there's no limit on ideas. There's no, you you will find, you will read some books that you get a little bit from, some books that you get a lot from, some books that you consider your Bible and your total guide to who you are and they're seminal and really like change your life. But without us digging in as the writer, the author, uh, without us digging in and really digging deep and trying to give out the best we can, give the best we can, uh, those the audience doesn't have a chance to uh, find those 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 gems that are right for them. So I don't I don't expect the book to to appeal to every single person in the world, but I do have people in mind that I feel uh, will enjoy it and and benefit from it. But I have to really dig deep. I also think that just publishing a book in general, where you have you know your personal story, but also you know brand messaging tied into it is a great thing for building credibility and authority. You know, it's going to be a great thing for people to read and think, oh, you know what? Like I need help with my branding. I need help with my messaging. Let me talk to this guy. He sounds like he knows what he's talking about. So I think that's just a great asset in general. 
That's a very good point because my my editor that I'm working with said to me, you know, when this is done, you will from that point on, you'll be the guy who wrote the book, you know, yes. which which could be taken a lot of different ways. You could say, yeah, I wrote the book on X or I wrote that book. And 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 he's saying what you're saying, which is you're taking your expertise and, you know, yeah, it's over decades and it's been all this time that I've been in business and all these uh, successes and failures and everything in between. It's like, but I'm putting it out there in a in a book and people can look at the book and go, that's who this guy is. This guy mm -hmm. is this because he it literally came out of his mouth. Absolutely. I completely agree. What has been what I guess what is your biggest challenge today? Um I think the biggest challenge is it's funny because I'm a communicator, but I honestly think the the biggest challenge is not so much communicating, but reaching. I think mm -hmm. I think getting through, getting through to people is the biggest challenge. And it's universal challenge. We're all having a problem getting through. So I don't feel like I'm special in that regard. This is a unique challenge to me, but it's definitely a challenge in our society today, getting through. And so that's what I have in mind every day with the podcasts, with the, you know, with the with the business ideas and the and the business relationships. It's all about getting through to the people who you want to serve. You know, I don't have to get through to everybody, like as I said, but that's the biggest challenge, getting through, which is funny because that is what I'm helping my clients do. Get but through. you know what? It's it's a common theme amongst all entrepreneurs that I talk to. It's so yeah. much easier for them to do it for somebody else than it is yeah. for them to do it for themselves. Yeah. We don't cut it's our own hair for a reason, you know? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. No, I completely agree. Yeah. Yeah. If you were to double or triple your revenue, what are some challenges you believe you might face or changes you would need to make? Um, challenges that I would face once I do that or in order to do that? In order to do that. In order to do it. Well, one thing for sure is that reinvestment is a huge, is really important. So sometimes you work, 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 invest, invest, invest in yourself, in your brand, in your business. And then you start to see a return and you're like, okay, so this is my return. This is what I've worked for. Now I have to pay some bills, pay some, you know, I got to do take care of all that. <laughs> and it's like, well, but I also probably have to reinvest in what I'm doing, which means I have to actually have a bigger marketing budget for next year, not a smaller one. Not because now it's taken off. Now I don't ever have to spend any money to market myself anymore. I mean, in my book, I say, you know, did you, if 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 it's all about, you know, organic word of mouth and stuff, then why do Nike and Apple still advertise, right? Do they exactly. still advertise? Yeah, of course they do more than anyone else. So uh, Amazon, you know, you would think those companies don't need to do anything, but they do. They constantly advertise. They constantly promote. They constantly change their messaging. They constantly reinforce. So I'm aware that that's gonna that's gonna be part of my life. Like, you know, I'm gonna have to reinvest, and that's a little scary because um, because I want to enjoy the the return. But I uh, so that's so that's one thing that I think has to 
has to be accepted by me. Making peace with the re making with the peace idea with, of having with reinvestment and and the and the more money you make, the more money you're going to spend. Of course, yeah. I remember when I started my first business, and I I made more than I ever had in a short time frame because it was like a weekend and I went the next day and I blew all of it and I was like oh, <laughs> like I actually yeah I needed to buy more materials for next weekend so <laughs> that was smart that worked out really well yeah. for me so yeah it's, it's, I, the reinvestment thing is is definitely huge yeah let's talk about your podcasts okay. what kinds of things do you talk about on both of them so on truth tastes funny it really did start from the place of, wow, we've been through a lot. We're kind of shell-shocked. We're traumatized. It would be great to talk to people who have tips for surviving and thriving in, in a really uncertain and crazy world. And it could be anything. They could survive uh, real genuine trauma. Um, they could survive, uh, you know, ups and downs in business. They could survive... Um, they could just have be someone who has a really amazing attitude and outlook on life. They could have found a different place to live or a different way to live. So there's no parameters that there's no like fence around it. Mm -hmm. But the, the through line for that is that they also find the humor in the absurdity of life without being angry about it. And so it's a show that's, it's funny. I saw, I thought I, I would lash out with that show. Like, man, I hear something that's true. And, but it's not my personality to be, to kind of be angry. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's my personality to try to stop being frustrated. So to, to overcome frustration, we have to laugh. We have to digest what's really happening. We can't pretend that things that we know are happening aren't, and we have to then come up with a solution. So that's what Truth Tastes Funny is about. And then I I felt like, well, as a companion to that, I, first of all, I do need a pod. Now that I'm doing the podcasting and that's growing, I need one that's about my business. So that's a natural transition. So Yes Brand was born and that's based on the yes and rule of improv, of improv comedy, which I've done a lot of. Yes and. So as an improv performer, you never say no to your scene partner. So they say Martians landed uh, in, in Iowa City and you don't say, no, they no they didn't because then the scene's over. You say yes and they're wearing clown costumes mm -hmm. and they are blowing balloons up for the kids. And then the next person says, yes, and, and the balloons have sleeping gas in them. <laughs> it's like, yes, and we're all getting a nap, but it's not working on me. And then it's like, Everything and and it forces you to open your mind, your imagination. But it all starts with the suggestion from someone else. Not you know you you've heard people say, yeah. "Oh, I I hate starting with a blank piece of paper." One of the reasons I think I got into branding is because my client is the piece of paper. They're not blank because they have a business idea or a business or a problem or a desire. And so they're coming to me with something and then I have to build on it. So I don't tell them, no, I don't say what you're doing is terrible. I don't focus on anything that's going to discourage their journey. I just react to their journey the way I do as a, as a writer, as a thinker, as an idea person. 
And so that's, so what I wanted to do was do a show where I can talk, do that with other people. Cause it's fun. And I laugh and I've laughed so much with my clients over the years. And I'm like, yeah, that's really, it's more fun than stand up because with stand up, you're, you want to elicit a laugh from them. And in this case, we laugh together. We're really laughing together. We're, we're having fun with each other. If you listen to that show, you will always hear us laugh, whoever the guest is. So I wanted, and I'm starting for the next season, a uh, every other week will be a call-in show where people call in, they register online, but they, but they register for, you know, what will ultimately be two or three minutes of, they have a specific problem, they call in, they ask me what the problem is. I talk to them about it. I try to solve it or put them on the right track. And I do that all day. Someone pointed out to me recently that, you know, you do that all day. Like I'll call you with a problem and, you know, you'll just answer it and then you'll go and then I'll go. And then I'll, it, you'll say, oh, I need a name for my podcast. Or, um, you know, I, we're, we're, I'm struggling with this and that. And I would just say, throw something out and it either is gives them what they want, or quite often it sets them on a road to creativity. So maybe I've broken their, their block, their writer's block. So maybe it's kind of that I'm trying to shake them out of there. It's not that I'm some kind of magician and every word that comes out of my mouth is gold. It's that right. I'm shaking it up. I'm just shaking it up and I'm shaking it up in, a, in good spirits and fun and energy and, and out of some affection for what they're trying to do. That is so cool. I love that, just that concept as a whole. So it's like, yes, and, mm. but yes, brand, one name is cool. First oh, of all, and I you. love the yeah. concept behind the, behind the podcast. I love that you're, you're talking about doing this call-in show because then, you know, you get to give quick little nuggets of advice, but it's an, yet another thing that is building your credibility, that is building your authority. You're providing value for people who are listening and you're showing them that you know your stuff, you know what you're talking about, you know how to help. So I yeah. love that. Super Thank cool. You. That said, what have some of the biggest challenges been around growing your podcast? Um, well, there's one that, that everybody has, which is that you have to commit to consistency. Mm -hmm. So it has to become a central focus, which means there were some things that I had to give up in order to do this. You know, over the last nine months, it's been it's been only nine months that I had Truth Taste Funny and only uh, three months that I've had uh, Yes Brand, but they've grown really fast, both of them. And the challenge growing it was you see that it's starting to grow. The temptation is to pull back. Oh, it's fine now. You know, same thing with that reinvestment issue. You, you see something, when you get something back, there's a tendency to, to relax. And so yeah. the biggest challenge has been not to relax, not to assume that it's great or it's, or it's even good enough, but to really push hard. Uh, I really wanted the second season of Truth Tastes Funny to be better than the first. And the first season was so eye-opening for me. Like I didn't know how fulfilling it would be, but I wanted that second one to be even better. Um, and so it was a challenge to, to top something in an industry that I don't even 
I'm fairly new to. Uh, so I think that was a challenge unlocking and with no, you know, knowing that I wasn't making money off of it. So the motivation wasn't, especially with Truth Tastes Funny, wasn't going to be making money. With Yes Brand, I could say, yeah, maybe I will get clients out of it. Maybe I will get, you know, a, a brand to join, do a joint venture with me and we'll cross promote each other and they'll help sponsor the show. And, you know, mm -hmm. there, there were incentives, but definitely, you know, it was like the idea that I'm going to spend nine months on something and not make $1, but I'm going to have to make it almost really, I'm going to have to make it really important. That's a challenge. And then on the flip side, what do you love the most about podcasting? Um, meeting new people, you know, like I'm, I wouldn't say that I, that I, that there are a lot of guests that I've had on that I talk to every day now, but yeah. there definitely are a handful that, um, that I've become really good friends with and that I have developed these relationships over you know, over the air, so to speak, you know, not in person. I've gotten to meet and and collaborate with some of them in person now. And that's been really just amazing. But I love that. I love the meeting the people and not just the people, but the quality of the people. You know, the quality there, there, there is something about this industry, um, you know, that that attracts uh, sincerity, I think is the best. It, it just does. Yeah. I think when you're doing something in a little bit longer form, you don't have the luxury of being phony because you could be phony and like little, but the thing is like, I think phoniness works when you are doing, you know, like the traditional snake oil salesman would go from town to town. He doesn't stay in one town and of course. he doesn't have a podcast that he doesn't do like, he doesn't talk yeah. to and build an audience necessarily. He gets that audience and that audience stays with him, but he goes from town to town because if he stays in one place too long, they'll, they'll figure him out. And so he has to keep moving, you know, going around and around. And podcasting isn't like that. Podcasting is you kind of dig in, you are building up a building an audience and you're setting a stage for yourself and you're going to be on that stage every week, hopefully with the same people and then a growing, 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 growing more people every week. And, um, and so I think everybody understands that they know it's a long game. It's not a get rich quick thing. It's not a in and out thing. Uh, and that's why there are so many podcasts that don't continue, you know, like there could be a hundred million podcasts on, on listen notes, for example, but, you know, but there are way, way fewer that are actually producing every week. Mm -hmm. You have to be, you have to be willing to be persistent with it. Even if yeah. you're getting few downloads, not a lot of people are listening. You're not really getting any feedback about the episodes you're putting out you have to be consistent. It takes, it takes a little bit of grit. You have to, that's for sure. You have yeah. to weather that storm. But the connections that you make are out of this world. There's nothing really that quite yeah. matches up to it. All yeah. right, Hirsch, we have reached the end of our episode. Real quick before we hop off, if you had to give one piece of advice to anybody who's struggling with their branding in one sentence, what would it be? 
Ooh. Ooh, I should have, as a writer, I should have written that beforehand. <laughs> that would have been a good one to have, like, like a really prepped, a good, pre I probably have from the book. Hard-hitting like, Really good quote that I could lay on you that I probably don't remember right now. Um, but, uh, but yeah, but off the cuff, I would, I would say that the, the best, the best piece of advice is before you brand yourself, get to know yourself because knowing yourself really well and not shying away from who you are will be the reason that the audience connects with you. So there's nothing more important than that. Absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree. All right, Hirsch, thank you so much for coming on. If anybody's looking to get in contact with you, what is the best way for them to find you? The best way for them to find me is to uh, to go to hirschreppling.com or they can also go to getmessagetherapy.com. That's a great way to, to find me. Okay, awesome. Group, if you're listening and enjoyed, please like and subscribe. If you're a six-figure entrepreneur and would like to come on the show, please visit top100interview.com. Bye. Hey everyone, I hope you really enjoyed that episode. As always, if you want to listen to more daily interview content, make sure you subscribe. And here's three ways I can help you in your business for free. One, check out my video on how we're building a pipeline that produces 30 plus prime sales calls every single week using podcast setters and a basic interview funnel. And this is actually how I was able to quit social media forever. You can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash setters. Two, if you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast, we actually want to interview you on one of our top 100 shows. Head to top100interview.com and then three, download our podcast closing formula. It shows you how to create a podcast sales team that books out your sales calendar each week using the podcast closing client attraction method. And you can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash podcast formula. Now at podcastclosing.com, we help six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts create a system for predictable client acquisition without relying on paid advertising or social media by building out podcast sales teams. Now, if you want help turning your podcast into a high ticket client acquisition machine, then book a call with our team to see how we can help. Go to podcastrebels.com forward slash chat. All right, guys, we'll see you in the next interview.